Welcome to the Moz Monthly Podcast. Thorough discussion and in-depth information about the news, stories, and trends related to emergency medical services in Michigan. The Moz Monthly Podcast is brought to you by the Michigan Association of Ambulance Services. Here's your host, Moz Executive Director, Angela Madden. To season two, episode six of the Moz Monthly Podcast. It is an honor of mine as your host to introduce our guest for today, the illustrious director of the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services, Elizabeth Hertel. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm well. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for joining us. Just so that our listeners know, you became the uh, director here very recently, but before that, you worked in several different uh, several different positions for the department, dating back uh, to the Department of Community Health days pre-merger. Can you give me a little bit of information about your background, Elizabeth, and what led you to be director of the Department of Health and Human Services? Thanks. Yeah, it's a it's a kind of a long and windy story, but I, I started my career really in the legislature as aide to then Representative Bruce Caswell who was the chair of the Department of Community Health Appropriations Subcommittee in the House at the time. And I spent a few years working on health and DCH appropriations in the House. I left in, it was 2013. So that would have been when I transitioned to the Department of Community Health, working in a policy executive position, Uh, eventually became the senior deputy for policy and planning, at which point the Department of Community Health and the Department of Human Services were merged into the Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, And that was a a huge undertaking, as you know, Um, a good step forward, I think. And I think we've made a lot of progress in, in being able to work as one department, knowing that we're serving a lot of the same residents in the state of Michigan. I left in 20... 16 to go to the private sector for a few years and in healthcare uh, and came back into the department as chief deputy for administration in 2019. So when the governor asked if I would be uh, willing to take on the position as director of the department, I enthusiastically said, yes, I am so honored to be able to lead this department and work so closely uh, with all of my colleagues here that I've been able to work with for so many years. And it's been been challenging, but a lot of fun so far. Well, thank you. And I know I personally, spoiler alert for anybody who doesn't know, I too worked for Elizabeth when she was director of policy and planning. And um, it's been a great opportunity for us to redevelop our relationship with you as director. And as always, I'm grateful for every moment you can you can spare for the EMS industry today. What's it like being a leader in the state's health department during a public health crisis in a pandemic like this? It's challenging. It can be rewarding, can be disappointing. Um, We know, especially at this point in the pandemic, uh, we've learned a lot of things about COVID-19, how to prevent transmission or how to mitigate transmission, how to lower your risk. We have tools today that we didn't have a year ago or six months ago with vaccines, uh, different sorts of treatments the ability to test broadly and fairly inexpensively and fairly quickly. Um, So trying to mobilize all of those tools to help us control the spread and minimize the spread of COVID. But when we see things, when I see things in the numbers, and we see the case rates go up 
and you see that chart, uh, we know that what will follow our hospitalizations and we know that generally what will follow after that will be an increased death rate. And that's really hard. It's really challenging um, to know that something like this has taken the lives of so many people. And we know nobody has gone untouched by COVID-19, whether that is, you know, as tragic as a, a death in the family, the contracting the illness yourself, um, economically through the past year, it's been challenging with, with the orders and people not uh, moving around as much or going out as much and changing the way that we live. So knowing that we're working toward getting back to a sense of normalcy is really what keeps me moving forward. Um, and I have a, a really optimistic outlook right now. Could be the sunshine, but I know a lot of it has to do with the fact that we have come so far this year uh, and that you know we continue to move forward and provide these tools for the residents of the state of Michigan to stay safe and stay healthy. Thank you for that. I, I appreciate that you have identified the, the challenges of the state moving, moving throughout this pandemic. EMS, of course, has faced a lot of those challenges as well. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you think caused the state? What do you think caused Michigan when we were seemingly recovering very well, you know, this time last year to become a hotspot in our nation again? I think what we saw were the results of a couple different things. Uh, First, we had kept our COVID rates so low uh, because we had minimized mobility for a very long time. And when we were able to start having kids in school again, and people started uh, going out more and traveling more, you know, there, we're always going to see an increase of transmission at that time. However, at the same time, we were seeing the introduction of a couple of different variants of the virus in the state of Michigan. And we knew uh, that those virus or those variants, excuse me, are more transmissible than the original variant. And that was exceedingly clear as we saw those case rates go up. Um, the importance of masking and social distancing had never been more important than knowing at this point when we were seeing this, um, these few variants that were just being transmitted between people so much more quickly than the original virus, which is a little concerning because we know the original virus is so much more transmissible than like influenza. (laughs) Um, And we were seeing it, you know, more often. So being cautious with those variants, making sure that uh, people are uh, continuing to minimize their risk in places that they need to do that, uh, because we don't want to see further transmission of these variants and we don't want to see additional variants. Uh, But I think those, uh, those were the two things that really contributed to seeing such an increase um, spike. And it was among younger people. Um, so one of the things that we were able to really see firsthand, we were able to start in the nation and in Michigan, start vaccinating people 65 and older early in January. So we'd vaccinated a very large segment of that population, and in particular in our nursing homes. So we were not seeing the transmission and the case rates among people of that age group. We were not seeing the hospitalization rates among the people of that age group. So it was really um, heartening to be able to actually see how the vaccines did work and were working uh, with an incredibly vulnerable population. 
So you've just brought up the COVID-19 vaccination. There still seems to be a hesitancy uh, in people get to receive the to receive the vaccine. Do you feel that this hesitancy is is normal? Is it what you expected? Is it higher than normal? Lower? You know, I'm not sure that the decrease in demand is due to vaccine hesitancy or concerns about confidence in the vaccines. I think we, you know, we've got three segments of the population. We have, you know, one segment of the population that was eager to get the vaccine. They didn't have any barriers to being able to travel to get a vaccine, to take time work uh, off of work to get a vaccine. They were going to go to a site, get it in a, a mass clinic, you know, wherever they were going to, wherever they could get it, they were going to get it. And then you have the other end of the spectrum where you have people who are um, significantly more vaccine hesitant or do not want to get the vaccine. And then we have a group in the middle that is, isn't necessarily hesitant, but may have barriers to traveling to get the vaccine, uh, may have some you know, personal health concerns that they'd like to speak directly to a provider about so they feel more comfortable, may just have some more questions that they want answered directly and privately by a provider. And I think that's completely reasonable. And so our goal now is to make sure that we are able to provide these vaccines in enough places where it is convenient for people to get the vaccine, where they can have their questions answered, uh, and they can feel confident in, in the choice to do that. So uh, I think we'll see it'll be a slower increase than what we had seen previously, obviously, because we're not able to do the high throughput, uh, but we'll continue to see those rates go up. Speaking and continuing to speak about the vaccine, recently the governor released the My Vac to Normal plan, right? Or the, the vaccination plan that set forth uh, several phases uh, for what would reopen as we hit those milestones. And I know we've recently hit one of those milestones. When do you think we're going to continue or what's the timeline you hope for our state to achieve as we move through those different phases? We have been... Uh, working toward the goal that President Biden laid out um, a couple months ago now, I guess, when, you know, he's saying that he'd like everything to be closer to normal by the 4th of July. I think that's what we'd like to see as well, um, to be able to hit that 70% by midsummer and get back to a more normal, quote unquote, normal lifestyle. And we'll continue to work toward that. Given uh, some of the rates of uptake that we're currently seeing, I'm not sure if we'll hit that, but again, you know, every day we're looking at different populations, looking at different models and trying to make sure that we have ways to make it easy and accessible for people to get the vaccine. Thanks. And we won't hold you to that timeline. Not a problem at all. <laughs> we just Thank need this. You. We just need this summer to get off. So uh, I can do some flying to th this weekend. Exactly. Um, yeah. So let's switch gears a little bit. There are a lot of people out there that don't realize that EMS, Emergency Medical Services, falls under the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. What role do you think you and the EMS division at MDHHS play in the healthcare of Michiganders? That's a really good question. And I think EMS oftentimes is a segment of our healthcare providers that is I don't want to say forgotten, but maybe lumped in, you know, with, with other providers, but they really are a key piece 
of that healthcare continuum. And when there is an emergency, when somebody is, you know, experiencing an acute event, um, they call, you know, they call 911, they get an ambulance. That's really important. What we learned through this, and you know this better than anybody, what we learned through this is how tenuous our ability to provide those emergency services can be when we're seeing an influx into a healthcare system like this. It's not just our hospitals that are being overtaxed. It's our EMS as well. Um, and the ability to even go to somebody when they're in an emergency situation and then get them to a facility safely was, uh, as you know, something that we were working hard to ensure that could continue in all areas of the state, but was incredibly challenging, I know, uh, for those EMS providers. And um, I did mention, I think the last press conference that I was at, and I hope, you know, people didn't, I hope people heard me, but I specifically when I say I'm grateful and want to thank our healthcare providers, that includes our emergency medical services as well, because they play such a key role uh, in the continuum of care. I know that means a lot to all of our road crews and even our EMS leadership teams that are out there working hard every day for our citizens. Is there anything else that you would like to say to, to our EMS providers? I, and we did. We, we absolutely took to heart that, that thank you that, that you provided in the press conference. And we, we, we knew you were talking to us, too. But what else, sure. what else would you like to say to the road crews and the EMS providers out there today? You know, I think it's important that you know that we at the department recognize the important role that you play in our healthcare system. And I want to make sure that we're able to keep um, maintain and keep developing this relationship that we have with you. Uh, and I think it's gone, I mean, at least since I've been in this position, which is granted only a couple months, although it does feel a little bit longer than that. Uh, that, you know, we continue to, to keep this relationship, have an open dialogue when we have concerns, either, um, you know, from a state side or from your side, that we can discuss those openly and candidly and get to some sort of resolution or solution because we are partners, we have the same goals, uh, and I want to make sure that we're able to achieve those goals together uh, because I think this partnership is really important. And I really appreciate, Angela, the leadership that you provide, the outreach that you provide, um, the education that you've been able to provide to me on these services. And, and I think that, um, I, you know, I'm just really looking forward to being able to continue to work with you all. I know we are as well, Elizabeth. It has been, it has been a phenomenal couple of months. We greatly appreciate your leadership and we greatly appreciate your, your willingness to work with us and have those open dialogues. I have one final question for you. What do you hope Michigan's healthcare future look, looks like and where does EMS fit into that future? That's a really good question. I think moving forward, I'd like to get past this, this acute phase um, of pandemic response where you know we've spent a lot of time focusing on one condition, COVID-19, and that we can really look broadly at what sort of health outcomes we want to see for the residents of the state of Michigan. What elements do we have or barriers are we facing in being able to achieve 
uh, those good outcomes and then taking them one by one and, and working through those. And I think EMS um, plays an important role, especially when it comes to being the first person who responds to somebody in an acute event and having the ability to make a determination on where is the best location for care for this individual, because it may not always be an emergency department. If somebody is experiencing an acute behavioral health situation that, you know, we get people to the right place so they can get the right care so they can meet those outcomes. And I, I'm really looking forward to continuing those conversations. Uh, and I know our provider community is as well, uh, because you're experiencing those things every day. So that's really where I'd, I'd, I'd like to be able to see us going um, is, is ensuring that, you know, our residents are getting the appropriate care in the appropriate location at the appropriate time. Thank you so much for joining us today, Elizabeth. Any final thoughts for our listeners on the Moz Monthly Podcast? I am so happy that you invited me to join you this month and anytime I would love to come back. Uh, you know how to get a hold of me. And I, um, I love talking to all of you. So I look forward to continued dialogue. Thank you. Thank you so much, everybody. That's been Elizabeth Hertel, the director of the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Everyone have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Moz Monthly Podcast, the go-to source for information about Michigan's EMS system. Be sure to visit miambulance.org slash podcast to join the conversation and access other important information from the Michigan Association of Ambulance Services. 